everybody, we're back with another commission podcast. Uh, this one was sent in by Sean Ray, uh, and it is It Follows, the 2004 horror film, supernatural psychological horror film, written and directed by David Robert Mitchell, and it stars a bunch of teenagers you've never heard of, <laughs> uh, but who are plucky and engaging and I thought did a pretty good job. Uh, I really enjoyed this. This is one of the uh, spotlight films Cecily and I did on our uh, first annual uh, Halloween spooktacular, cinematic spooktacular that we recorded last October. This is the first time I believe you've seen the film, Jim. Yep. Uh, you're a horror fan. What did you think? Uh, I thought it was really good. Uh, one of the best horror films I've seen in a very long time. Uh, and that includes the Insidious movies. That includes... Um, what, what's the other one? That starts the, with the C. The Conjuring. Um, all of those. I thought this was better than any of them. Oh, wow. Um, not not maybe as scary as any of them, okay. but better because it encompassed a, a broader topic than just, I'm going to scare you. Yeah, and it's it's fre- it's, a, it's a fresh idea. Yeah. Like a very simple concept that is, uh, I, I think, sturdy. Um, I want to, I guess, I mean, I guess that's a pretty strong pitch if you want to have a no-spoiler movie uh, movie review. Um, <laughs> you guys turn I'm it like, off here and watch it, yeah. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like, uh, I don't want to do anything to prepare you for the conceit, because the conceit is the majority of this movie. Well, and, I knew it going in, and I still was oh, impressed you? by it. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, I will say that there's a quote by Quentin Tarantino, who loved this film when it came out in 2014, and he says, it's the kind of film that, annoys you because it's so good and you want it to be perfect and it's not perfect huh okay and i will say that i think the film has some third act problems where it kind of uh loses a little bit of steam but still yeah it's genuinely and i the first time i saw i saw late at night and uh close to halloween with the lights off and i found okay like the first two thirds of the movie, fairly gripping, fairly, uh-huh. and especially for as low budget and just you know kind of purely conceptual, the horror is. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, if that doesn't make you want to see the movie, I don't know what will. It's currently available on Netflix um, and every other streaming platform, though you might have to pay for it there. Uh, not that you don't pay for Netflix, uh, <laughs> we know, we know. So yeah, there you go. Uh, from here on out, Spoiler City. Um, let's see if because like Sean Ray sent us a lot of stuff. He also sent in a follow up email saying, "Hey, don't feel like you have to read the whole Bible." Um, <laughs> okay, but he has uh, he has a lot of themes that he wants us to discuss. And I don't know if do you want to get to do you want to go through his themes or do you want to just talk about this movie for a bit and then back clean up? Or I'm curious what the themes he's going to point out are because I've read a couple of reviews and I think the most obvious of them is the least interesting of them. Okay. Um, which is essentially like equating it to an STD. Yes. I I think it's like so on the face of the movie that it's, it's almost silly to say that is the point of the movie. Right. Right. I actually think that's an incorrect reading because this thing, unless you think that, uh, like you can, you can, you can get rid of AIDS or herpes or chlamydia or what have you by, by passing it to someone else. Passing to yeah. someone else, whoosh, dodge that bullet. <laughs> no. Now and it's like it's just it's just going to be a musical chair until the last baby born in the world is is fucked. Um, right. Ooh, I don't last that, baby yeah, born. Well, that's hmm. that's uh, I don't know. Uh, according to the movie The Book of Mormon, there are people who actually believe that is a cure for AIDS. So mm, that's true. Don't don't want to suggest that. Uh, I, yeah, I, I thought that was like so surface level and so knee jerk. Um, mm. One of the themes he hit on is something that uh, I definitely got. Uh, it's the um, metaphor for like sexual assault and like what it's okay. like to be a yeah. woman who's assaulted and have everyone close to you. Number one, you're scared that they're not going to believe you. You're scared that they're going to judge you and say what you did to deserve it. Mm-hmm. Um and like the trauma that 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 inflicts and the people that like use and take advantage of you in those situations, I think that's uh, if you're going to look for like a, a real life allegory, it's there's a lot more in, in the show to suggest that than there is to say that it's just a parable about STDs. Yeah, and I think there's even another level. Um, just generally the idea of. Uh, sex and procreation and death as mm-hmm. human beings right. um, and what a 
sort of bizarre and terrifying prospect all of it is. Right. Uh, and, and how that's kind of entwined in this movie, I, I think intentionally, but uh, who knows? We'll have to discuss it further. Yeah, he's, he's on the theme of that. Um, he says, as the, the film works as a metaphor for psychological isolation and victim blaming and sexual assault. Mm-hmm. For example, the cops, when they're taking Jay's statement, the cop asks her whether the sex was consensual and she nods. Um, which is weird because saying that sex was consensual leaves off the whole part about being chloroformed and confined yeah. and then the abduction was not. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and, and also if, if it was consensual, was it fully informed consensual? Like, sure. You know, yeah. if you have a immediately lethal and fatal disease that you could give a person and their only remedy is to give it to somebody else, like not many people would consent to that procedure. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't consent to have sex with a woman that had a razor blade lined vagina. I would appreciate her letting me know that before I, just, you know, I'm saying like there's there's consent and there's consent. I thought sure. that's that aspect of it. The fact that like the cops seem to fixate on the consensual nature and, you know, even later on in a movie where the the, the, the friends are talking about Jay mm-hmm. uh, behind her back, essentially. And they're like, well, something happened, but I don't think it's what she said. Like there that's there's a lot of meat to that kind of analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, I thought that was an uh, interesting point he made. Also, the other thing you want us to talk about is the. um Something that uh, like I noticed about the movie is there is a certain kind of like a timeless quality about it. Like the cars are all over the place, from classic cars to modern cars. Um, people are swimming in pools and skimpy bathing suits, but the leaves are falling off the trees. Uh, there are these fi- there hmm. like no there there are co- still corded phones everywhere, but there's also these weird clamshell PDAs, like. There's a lot of things that are kind of like our world, but in the, like the dress and grooming, this other stuff was like made to be kind of like timeless. And he thought hmm. that that is an indication for um, a metaphor for like leaving childhood behind. The fact that you're kind of out of time. Uh, and he had a couple points, like when Hugh and Jay are playing the trade game in the theater. Hugh trades place with the young boy because how cool it would be to have your whole life ahead of him. Uh, and he's dealing with the regrets he's had about decisions he's made. Mm-hmm. Um, when Hugh gives Jay the curse by sleeping with her, she's suddenly thrown into a situation she has to deal with alone. She can't go to her mom for help. She's completely on her own with this problem. But every time she's confronted by it, she goes to a safe space from her childhood. The ice cream store Paul and Kelly work at, the neighborhood playground, Greg's vacation lake house, the community pool where she had her first kiss. Anytime adulthood it appears, Jay and her friends retreat to a childhood safe haven to escape it. Yeah, I guess I didn't have anything as concrete as that when I was in mind when I was saying it, but um, that's kind of what I was getting at with the idea, you know, that that these people in adulthood now have to deal with this idea of yeah. sex um, yeah. and and their own mortality in a way too, because there's there's a lot of like poetry that um, what's her face is reading. Yeah, it's a bunch of T. S. Eliot stuff, I suppose. Yeah, about that is essentially about death, right? Life uh-huh. and death, and uh-huh. I, I think those like he kind of hits it on the head here when he's talking about, you know, her retreating to her childhood right. every time she's confronted by the decision that she made about this sexual encounter, right? Right, right. And also the whole idea that, like, you know, a lot of people flee from re- adult responsibilities. And even adults, mm-hmm. like, if you think of death as, like, the metaphoric responsibility that we all must take on, uh-huh. nobody, not, well, not nobody, but hardly anyone rushes forward to that responsibility and, like, yeah, sign me up. So sure. Uh, I think, and also the fact that the final form that it took was the, of her father. Uh, I thought was was, it, was he the naked man standing on the stairs? No, he's the or, guy at the pool. On the, on when, the... when Jay's like said her sister, I don't want it to, because like there's a lot of hints in the film that Jay's dad either died or has abandoned them, and they don't actually say it. I think there's hints that like if you look at the pictures on her mom's mantle, there's this man. And, and on her mirror, there's there's a man with and, a younger and, and, version of her, and, and that's that's who manifests at the pool. Yeah. So like okay. these like you know uh, uh, this 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 like manifestation of male adulthood coming to menace you uh, is kind of interesting from that like you know children fleeing. I guess mm-hmm. I, there's I'm sure because you know a lot of people are glutton for spoilers and they don't give a fuck. Maybe we should kind to make this make sense. We should briefly outline the premise of the movie. Okay. Would yeah, you care sure. to do? Would you care to do that? Um, 
it seems like there is a curse that you get by sleeping with someone mm-hmm. um, who has the curse, and in turn, that curse is passed on to you. Uh, and the curse is that there is this monster, this thing, it, uh, the titular it, um, that hunts you down, and it hunts you down at a, a walking human's pace. Right. But it is relentless, and it, doesn't it will run, not stop. It doesn't really slow down. It's just a nice, yeah. measured stroll. And when it gets to you, it will kill you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once it kills you, it'll move back in line to the last person you slept with, the person who gave it to you, yeah. and come after them again. Yeah. So you're never truly rid of it. Yeah. Um. Uh, unless I guess, maybe we'll talk about ways you could get rid of it. Yeah, I think that'd be. And there's <laughs> like also there's, there's edge cases that I don't. I wish the movie had explored. Like, what if you, like, what if what if you have the curse and you have sex with six people? Sure. Does I, it just does the curse follow one person? I it seems like it. Yeah. So you could have sex with a bunch after you have sex with the first person. You get sex with. Uh, infinite number as long as that person still is holding the curse ball i assume so that's probably but, the most it, reasonable infer in in inference yeah I, i'm not sure the movie ever says that right. definitely but uh, i read an interview with david mitchell where he says just a, the um, now that we've kind of got that conceptual thing out of the way um oh the other thing is the only the person with the curse or in the curse chain can see the monster right and the monster manifests as a human Sometimes they're Anyone. normal yeah. in appearance. Sometimes they're kind of not ever horrific, but like unsettling. Like sure. they might have injuries or they might be pissing themselves uh-huh. or they might be n- naked or in some state of like disrepair. But like, they're almost always naked. Almost a lot of them are always naked. Right. Yeah. And then there's a there's I actually the second time I watched this movie, I realized it's a pretty big flaw that Hugh mistakes the girl in the yellow dress for just a person. Uh-huh. Because, like, I, I at no time would I ever look at a random person if I knew I had the curse and I knew what that looks like and be like, oh, I bet you want to switch places that girl in the yellow <laughs> dress, the one with the blank expression with her hands dangling limp at her side that's slowly moving forward as her eyes are locked on me. <laughs> like, I think that uh-huh. might be what Quentin Tarantino was talking about. Okay. Because when you watch the movie uh, on multiple times, you can car- kind of see. But I read this interview with the director. This is where I want to kind of bring this together where he said what he was intending with all of this out of time stuff and things that like are close to our real world but like distinctly different is he trying to introduce like this dream logic that you are stuck in a situation that doesn't make sense and that there are like magical so and like it feels familiar but the details are off and like even the final set piece where you know, it seems stupid to try to line a pool with all these electrical things and throw them in. And, mm-hmm. like, if you know anything about, like, GFI circuitry and, like, this pool <laughs> would almost certainly have that stuff installed. This shit isn't going to work. But it does make sense and like, a kind of a dream. Like, like, you're out of control dream, you know. Like, everyone's huh, had a nightmare yeah. where it just it, – it, it doesn't hold up to the light of day, you know. Oh, sure. So I, yeah. I felt like that a lot of these – criticisms about it not holding together are dodged by the dream and i guess you could debate whether inducing a dreamlike feeling or a, a dream logic this kind of like rolling pretty close to david finch or i know <laughs> um is that like would it be better to just go through and tell the story straight up with no holes or is it better to have it kind of be this weird timeless dreamy kind of quality to it yeah especially if you're going at after something thematic like the confusion of a child turning into an adult and having to deal with sex right yeah because that's a very uh, that's a very off uh, like unsettling concept i think to yeah. Kids. yeah 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 um i know it certainly was for me in my teenage years like how do you deal with that you know everything yeah. could seem a little bit dreamy and weird and confusing and right not making sense to you yeah and i even like that like the, the sean's point about this being about the transition to adulthood there's like this really there's a lot of beautiful shots in this movie, and one that I really liked is this POV shot of um, Jay after she slept with Hugh for the first time, uh, and she's like putting her hand out and kind of caressing this wildflower that's growing on the ground, and she's talking about what she imagined being like, you know, being older would be like, and being a teenager and being an adult, and how she interacted with her friends. And then, you know, Hugh, Hugh comes up and chloroforms her, and you get the same POV shot now with her hand kind of limp and, like, crashing into the flower. I thought that mm-hmm. was like, well, there's, there's your, cro- your, your, your crossing the threshold right now. Yeah. 
you are now like you had the innocence of a child versus the disillusionment of adult. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of feel like I'm on Quentin's side that I wish they had spent a little bit of time tightening up the script and making sure it didn't violate any of its own rules because it is yeah, pretty close to so. being a perfect horror film. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, shockingly good, even in its storytelling. Like, it's, it's narrative reveals, I think, mm-hmm. um, are so stylistic. I... I always felt in this movie that I was about five minutes behind the script, Mm -hmm. but never that I wasn't going to get caught up by the time I needed to be. Like, there's there's a a scene where she has gotten into a car wreck, she's Mm -hmm. been brought to the hospital, and then suddenly she's sleeping with the the, the more sexually attractive of the two males in this movie. Right, right. and you're you're kind of left wondering what the is he raping her? Like, what is going on mm-hmm. here? How did this come to be? And by the time the scene is over, you're already you've got some assumptions in your head right. that oh, they must have talked about this. She's stuck they in must, this hospital. She knows it's inevitable. It's coming it's for her. Come. She's got to get away from it, and he can. So she's passing it on. And and by the time the script reveals that the mm-hmm. the narrative unfolds, mm-hmm. you have already kind of caught up to it in your own head. Yeah, but it's funny because I'd read all this feedback, obviously compiling it, and I'd already seen the movie, so I don't, I, I didn't fear any spoilers. So I had this like some of Sean's analysis in the back of my mind, and when at first I thought that character, uh, who reminds me a lot of the heroin addict from uh, Fear the Walking Dead, <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought it's like, oh man, this guy is like a really he like stand up dude. Of the, the older teen from Camp Nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Because he's like, he, he's like, oh, yeah, we'll just, you know, like, there's this one scene where Jay runs off the first time the it attacks her, and uh, she's at a park, and, like, all of her friends are trying to comfort her, and this guy who's this, the, 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 the boy next door rolls up in his car and, like, asks the situation, and, like, he gets a whole bunch of, like, nonsense answers, and he's like, okay, and he starts to walk away. And you're like, like okay, this guy's just boning out, but he's getting his car because, like, fuck, yeah, let's take this serious. Yeah. But... It's recontextualized, like when and like it seems noble, like well, I'll take on this curse and I'll 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 be the runner while you're recuperating the hospital. But then there's this later scene where he's kind of like, yeah, I, I don't know, something happened, but I, it made it seem like he was taking advantage of her emotionally yeah. vulnerable state in yeah. his mind, and it kind of like I don't know how I feel about that guy now because he didn't, no, I, he clearly didn't take the curse seriously at all. Right. Right. He knew something happened, but not what she says. Right, yeah. and and you're right. I think he is perhaps taking advantage of that situation. Yeah, but but it's it's also complicated and weird too it's, because they yeah. apparently boned in high school. So I I don't even know what their actual relationship is did here. They? Did yeah, you get that? That's what they said. Yeah. What? Who did they did they say? Uh, Jay and and long haired long haired dude had said that that's not the first time they'd had sex. Yeah. Hmm. So I don't know what their relationship is. It's weird. There's also a lot of interesting things about intimacy, like, you know, the sex that Jay has with Hugh seems like very passionate, intimate. But it's you also know that Hugh is killing her mm-hmm. like, you know, if she, unless she's willing to kill an innocent person that he's killing her. And that like re, like makes that a lot darker. Mm-hmm. And like her sex with, uh, like you said, the long hired attractive guy. Uh, pretty hot for hospital bed sex. <laughs> yeah. And you contrast that to, like, the way she, like, essentially administers the curse to the the, the nerdy kid. Uh, yeah. Who is, like, you know, pining for her through the whole movie. And how she does the guys with the... Uh, how she treats the guys with the boat. Um, oh, yeah. Which, that's the that's, other, like, really what-the-fuck That's moment. one of those, like, five-minute rewind moments that I had, too. Like, I yeah. guess she swam out there and fucked those guys, right? Right, right. Or at least one of them. Right. That, that was weird. Um, y- you know what's also super hot? What? The mess that is this female friend of theirs. Because, <laughs> holy shit, yeah. this girl is just a train wreck of a human being at yeah. this point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's funny because, like, I, that's the other, you're talking about how this movie is just really brisk and efficient in storytelling. And I found that about the same thing with the friend group. Like, yeah. they immediately came across as, like, teenage close friends and just the way they interacted. And the, I, I mm-hmm. like the fact it's mixed boy girl, but they're still farting. And. <laughs> You know, one of them is <laughs> one of them. Yeah, the, the hot mess girl is uh-huh. the one that's uh, this quote in T.S. Eliot poems and and yep. uh, I, I yeah, 
Luke. Yeah, no, I uh, I liked almost all of the people. Um, and, and the economy of storytelling, the economy mm-hmm. of character building there is so good because right. we immediately get a sense of everyone's role in that group. Right. And there's no... The other thing is, like, you also get to know about the adults and their family and where they stand, but you never meet. No. Like, you might see her mom in one scene and you might see her in the background, but this is all about the kids being front and center. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I thought that was... I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah. So his third point was another meta-commentary that Sean had is that the film can serve as... A commentary and almost spoof on the classic slasher films like Halloween and Friday mm. the 13th, in which teens have sex and end up being killed by an unstoppable force, but yeah. the virgins always survive. This is a slasher film where having sex will make you a victim, but you can get rid of it by having more sex. By uh-huh. becoming an accomplice and passing on to another partner, you can spare your life for the time being. Um, yeah, it is an inversion, because I remember the, when I was watching the first act for the first time, I thought, this is like literally straight up the cabin blueprint. Yeah, like the or slutty kids. The, the like, sl- slutty kids are going to get killed, and the chaste and pure are going to not. And, and you've got the lumbering evil coming after you. Yep, you know, it's, yep. it's slow, but it's relentless, and it will get you. Right, right. But this, it's like it adds. It the, the twist that I enjoy is it. It adds intention, mm-hmm. right? Like you have to knowingly inflict this on another human being to spare yourself. Yeah. And it's also kind of a temporary respite, too, because mm-hmm. you can't ever really let your guard down the rest of your life. Yeah. I mean, you could, but it'd be at your peril. No, I mean, the, it's a weird kind of conflict of strategies here as far as avoidance goes, because let's say, OK, you give it to the next person. Well, your your best bet is to get as far away as possible from them, right? Because you don't want them to do something stupid and get killed and then the thing comes at you and you're right next door. Mm-hmm. That that would be stupid. But at the same time, you by by going really far away from this person, you will not know what's happening to them. So you never know if it has killed them and might be coming after you now. Yeah. So what do you do in that scenario? Because they, they, they wrestle with that a little bit, you know. Um, is it Josh or... Uh, I, I don't remember the the first guy's name. The guy who sleeps with Jay Hugh. and gives it to her. Hugh. Hugh. Paul. Um, so Hugh is the the guy. The, well, he had the, two names in the movie. I think it, his fake name might have been Josh. Oh I man, I, I think his fake name was Hugh. If his real name is Josh, yeah, because because oh, Hugh okay. is the one that is the first name I wrote down. Paul is yeah, the yeah. Paul is the nerdy guy. Yep. Which I I also like the little moments about um, you know like. Paul asked if he can like like when he fir- first hears that Jay has been infected and he said she has experience like he pipes and say hey I I can come over I can sleep over and keep you company and like all the women simultaneously say no yeah <laughs> um I can't I didn't I don't think I wrote down oh it's Greg Greg is the handsome guy Greg okay. yeah I think the, that's a, with the hair yeah 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 the crazy Greg, flowing hair Greg guy. the handsome guy with the with the, the hair. Anyway, what were you saying? And, and like the slippers or something. I don't know. He's wearing some funky clothes yeah, throughout yeah. this. But, yeah. He, um, he's owning it. Yeah. I was just saying that they kind of wrestle with the, the strategy here mm-hmm. a little bit too, um, which is kind of immediately where my mind goes. Like, okay, you're saddled with this curse. What do you do with it? Um, what is your best bet? And I was thinking, you know, I bet there's a solution in just a day-to-day routine that could make almost guarantee that you stay out of the path of this evil. Let's let's say you live in a town uh-huh. and you work in a town 40 to 50 miles away. Right. At like a 12-minute mile, which is pretty fast for that fucking monster. Right. That monster's not going 12 minutes a mi- 12 mile or a mile every 12 minutes. Right. That puts you to where you could spend eight hours at work. This thing would be lumbering toward you the entire eight hours, mm-hmm. and it would not reach you before you were on your way back home. Right. So a if long you could commute do that, could save you. Right. A long <laughs> commute, and you could just live your life that way, going from home to work, home yeah. to work. Well, there's a lot of. I mean, do we want to just go there? Talk about like. Yeah, let's talk about okay. the strategies for beating this fucking evil. <laughs> because the thing is, is it does feel like it has. Well, I think it's established that it has a physical presence because. They throw, yeah. you know, you can go, I guess you got to depend whether this is dream logic or not. But they throw a sheet over it, and it has right. a humanoid f- form. And you can shoot it with a gun. You can shoot it with a gun. Um, it, can, it can throw you across the room. Physical barriers. Uh, yep. Doors. Slow it down, at least. And I, yep. So I, my thought is, like, how, and it does seem like it's superhumanly strong. Yes. But not, like, 
Superman strong. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I wonder what the limits are that. Like, if you right. would lock yourself in a steel box every night mm-hmm. uh, that had, like, like a steel room that had a front and rear exit, and you had, uh, you know, a way to determine which exit it was waiting for you at, could you just exit the other side? Or could it, like, right. eventually batter down your defenses? I, I, I wasn't clear about that. The other... You know, the other problem I guess I have is could you, like, put a radio collar on it? Okay, yeah. Because it's smart, but I don't know what the limits of its intelligence are. Like, it knows how to, like, break windows and climb over obstacles and it can try to batter things down. But Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, because the the ultimate solution is to be, like, to fucking tag it Uh and just keep tabs on it. Yeah. Um, I also don't, like, I wonder... Is it like if you like how when they say it's smart, if you like had this um, if you had this thing where like you you had a commute, like an hour commute in your car Mm -hmm. and you drove across town, worked and then you drove back home Uh after a couple of days of that, would it get smart enough? It's like I'm going to just sit at one location or the other. Right. Does it have to lumber toward you? Can it can it take public transportation? Sure. Can it get on a plane? That'd be real you, awkward. You go to sit in an empty seat and you find out, right. I'm sitting like six inches above yeah, the seat. What's on, happening on here? What feels like flabby old woman thighs. What's going on? <laughs> right. I don't I don't understand. Uh, or, yeah. I've got the ultimate solution. Yeah. Here, so Fucking astronaut before they go on the International Space Station. <laughs> They're going to be up there for 18 months and like, good. That's pretty good. You yeah. get to sleep easy for 18 months. Yeah, yeah. I guess you're just watching the NASA feed to make sure like, and the also, space station's still there. And also, does it, like, would the, on the ground, would it like track the space station? Like, like it would start it would walking at the space station, the and then it would when yeah. it orbit because the thing orbits crazy fast. Yeah, there's no way. You so can it just sits there it. and like walks towards the horizon, and it walks backwards, and it's like every every couple hours <laughs> it just pin, ping pongs on its weird, you know. That that's a good solution to buy you time. I think the ultimate solution though is to just go out and find a wild dog and fuck it. Because <laughs> <laughs> think about it, like a dog is not going to get snuck up on. Right. By an evil entity, right? It's right. going to bug out the first time it sees anything weird happening. It's going to fuck all sorts of other wild animals, and it's going to pass it on, and there are going to be generations and generations of animals with this curse, but it'll never sure. come back to humans. But I don't... Do dogs... Are dogs... Because I'm thinking, like, yeah, you could fuck a dog. You could essentially <laughs> rape sure. a dog. Right. But, like, are do- dogs... I Don't they only, like, only get in the heat, like, once a year? So, like, unless you did that during the time where they're I mean, running have, around the neighborhood cat and yeah. they're dogging it up, like... Yeah. You avoid it for, for whatever the heat season is, and then you go to town <laughs> on a dog, and then the dog goes to town on everything. <laughs> everything within sight. I think you need to fuck a Bonobo, because they're like humans. They're, like, ready to eat. What the fuck are those? They're, one of the, they're the apes that are close... Ah, not closest ah. genetic, but closest in the way... Like, I think they're the only primate other than us that actually is in heat all the time, or is down the fuck. They're always DTF. I'm looking for 24/7. something. So you, you, you go to a colony of Bonobos, wherever Bonobos colonize, yeah. and you fuck a Bonobo, and then you just <laughs> let, like, good luck. I good luck massacring, uh, like, a successive tribes of, of Bonobos. Yeah. Or Bonobos? Maybe they're Bonobos. I just realized I don't think I've ever heard that thing pronounced. I didn't even know what it was. So yeah. <laughs> I yeah. couldn't tell you. Uh, <laughs> maybe, a, maybe a cat would work, too. Do you think this thing shows up in infrared? Oh, good question. The, oh, let me um, ask you because this, there's a rumored sequel. It has to be emitting. I, I mean, as something that has mass, clearly, mm-hmm. or energy, one of the two, it would have to be emitting some kind of like radiation or something. Yeah, but it's also it has a like, physical it's the presence. Definition like of supernatural because the way it, it tracks yeah. its victims. Well, it and gives keeps off no visible of, light. That we know for sure. It gives off no vis. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. visible light. Um, and it doesn't also, reflect any visible light either. Um, I also thought it was interesting when, and maybe this is because the the limits of the budget, but like, you couldn't really see it move through water. I thought that oh, was true. going to be yeah. the dead giveaway uh-huh. uh, that you would you could track it by like the whole, yeah, 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 like the old Hollow Man. Like mm-hmm. you could you could see it, or like it would get when it got out of the pool, it would be like have a, a shimmer, or a sheen. I, that's the thing. Like with it being a supernatural entity, I don't. Like, supernatural just means beyond a present understanding. If you yeah. studied it enough, would you eventually crack that code? Or, I, I don't know. That's why I'm like, 
I don't know if this movie needs a sequel. No, I know it doesn't need a sequel. I'm not sure if a sequel should be made. Mm-hmm. I know that there's interviews where he's like, I would be willing to make a sequel, and I think it would be like essentially Jay and Paul trying to track through the to try to find like who originated the curse or how long it's been going on. And sure, like I think that would be that's an interesting way to take it. The other interesting way would be like on a very mature adult version of Home Alone. Where they try to, through observation and scientific uh-huh. method, figure out empirically this thing's weakness and then take it down. And at the end, she just fucks a dog. <laughs> <laughs> she goes out to a tribe of bonobos. And, uh, well, I wonder, okay, if, what, yeah. I wonder if the other thing's like, what ends the curse? Like, if you die of natural causes, mm-hmm. like if you can evade this thing for the rest of your life and die of a, nat- a, die a natural death or not at the creature's hands, is that in the curse or is it just roll back on the person it's a good question what happens when know. the cursed chain is broken because then, cause then by could, other someone like someone steps in front of a bus and gets killed or like if they commit suicide and now like you yeah. have a chain of 30 active people and they're 15 does that break it or yeah could you go into a hospital and fuck somebody on life support or something and then pull the plug <laughs> right like would that work i don't right. know I don't know. I, I mean, that's the other thing is like there it doesn't seem there's any solutions to passing it on that are ethically sound. No, fuck no. Like you're, you're except maybe fucking a dog because the dog wants it. I mean, <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, um, that's fraught. I'm not even going to touch that. I'm going to let you deal with that. Um, I don't know, but there's a lot of weird. I also noticed the second time going through, there's a lot of interesting things about bugs. Like, she sees an ant on her arm, and she mm-hmm. just kind of observes it, and then just kind of nonchalantly submerges her arm in the pool, and the yeah. ant presumably drowns. And she doesn't give it any thought. Mm-hmm. And then later, when they're walking around the neighborhood, I notice that, like, the uh, hot mess girl that you're always referring to, is she's, like, conscientiously stomping and and then rub I, I presume bugs hmm. she's walking and like every every so often she like kind of stomps and like puts the cigarette out motion and i assume that's bugs i'm like are they trying to make a statement here that this it this is the way that it sees huma- humans that it's just like you know it's not Maybe. angry or does it it's just like this is like you know but it's it's like no one's job i mean unless you like work for orkin no one's job is to go around and kill <laughs> insects like I, but it's yeah it makes me wonder what what it like how it came to be how it got started like mm-hmm. what its goal really is right um I, I don't know that the movie cares about any of that did but. you think it was clunky um him chloroforming her and tying her to the wheelchair and then just delivering five minutes of exposition uh yes that that was one of the problems i had because it had done such good storytelling up to that point yeah um and, and maybe it had only. I don't done know really how you show story. and don't tell all that stuff because right. the, the. I wish they had tried to find a way to do it. It's kind of like that's the Morpheus scene where he sits yeah. in a red chair and like you're just gonna like if this movie is going to be comprehensible, you're going to have to deal. And I, I the first time I watched it, it didn't seem clunky because I was desperate for information at that point. Okay. Like I'm like yeah. I the 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 cold open uh, or the intro scene where the girl's running down the street and the slip and the red heels and then she's followed and she calls yeah, her father and she gets like 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 uh, and then the Hugh thing um, like I was really like wanting to know what the hell was going on yeah. uh, so like but the second time I'm thinking like man this is really a lot of dense rules explanations it's like before you sit down to play a board game you got to spend twenty minutes being told how to play it or it's a shit show so yeah and i i don't have a good solution for how to do that without just expo- exposition um there's but, also yeah. a lot of other weird stuff like there's this little redhead kid that that is the peeping tom now that might just be to expo- uh, explain the red ball jump scare okay but yeah. she also steals his bike and then drives across way half the town and in the, the movie we see the kid kind of pulling up to her house and like with the bike like i is is i, I i'm not sure what's going on at the little redhead creep uh if they're if that's something intentional cuz he keeps popping up he does keep popping up um he's i guess he's probably curious about this whole sex thing yeah he's just starting to feel the effects of it 
yeah um, the, the effects of his hormones and puberty and all that yeah so he's always trying to peep on her when she's in the pool or whatever yeah i've never i mean go. it's pretty extreme case of peeping you're creeping on someone's house and like literally like looking in their bathroom windows like yeah yeah but i'm i'm going with the idea there's looking at victoria's secrets catalogs and then there's peeping tom yeah <laughs> like one's a crime and one's not kid yeah, uh, I'm just trying to go thematically with this this idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it yeah. seems like he might be there as like a an even younger representation yeah. than Jay. I also, you know, the other thing I really like. Speaking of like the visual storytelling, is like they have this like then do they do it twice? Like this 15 second drive to the bad part of town, and I thought that was really effective to show like their safe, nice suburbs and like how. Because I've I've lived in a lot of towns. Hell, I'm living in a town right now that has that kind of decay, mm-hmm. where like it's not like oh you cross the street and it's like oh you're on the bad side of the tracks. It's like oh here's a shingle that's loose. Oh here's a broken window. Oh here's a house that's boarded up. Oh this is just a fucking shooting gallery. Yeah. Like I really liked how they kind of showed that in these these small towns how you can just you know drive a little bit and everything just gets progressively worse until it hits rock bottom mm-hmm. and that's where he was shacking up um oh there's other scene where i thought was interesting where she's like stacking green blades of grass on her thigh yeah what did you make of that scene i felt like it was sh- i thought it was like to go with sean's uh you know fallout from being sexually assaulted or abused mm-hmm. that it was like a metaphor for self-harm that's that's what i thought so I've, yeah. I, you know, I, I, like people cutting the on cutting, themselves, yeah. mm-hmm. the extract that that was supposed to be like an allusion to that, because otherwise it, it doesn't really make sense and fit in anything. Yeah. Um, also in that same scene, their establishing shot of driving to Greg's grandpa's cabin, I thought was super gorgeous where they're like, again, it's another way where they're telling a story. You're on the highway, then you're on like uh, a byway and then you're on a dirt road. And then you're on this like just leaf strewn, like looks like the the entrance to the bat cave from the old Keaton films. <laughs> and it's just gorgeous. And reminded me a lot of like Kubrick's early establishing work in the shining the like, yeah, yeah this is in the middle of nowhere. Y'all uh, I actually kept getting um, like American beauty vibes. Mm-hmm. Especially from that opening stuff, um, mm. where it's a shot just straight down this suburban yeah, street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Felt very American Beauty to me. Uh, and I don't know, that's a compliment in my mind. Yeah, I know. Um, what do you think about the special effects of the film? Um, I thought they were good. I good to passable. Some of the I mean, stuff at the lake house, like where the creature like grabbed her hair and was throwing people around invisible, was like uh-huh. a little shaky. Huh, okay. But it's also a low budget film. Yeah, it's two million bucks. Yeah, for this entire thing and ends up and making like twenty plus. That's the crazy thing is how cheap this film was, but yet how good it it looks. Yeah. And there mm-hmm. are like a lot of really cool scenes, like which I'm sure is just a practical effect, like the when they killed the monster. Well, they didn't really kill it, but when they they seemingly killed it in the pool, and there's just just like clouds of red blood expanding through the pool. I thought that was like. Mm-hmm. Super, super, super good looking, and just like the the quality of the film itself, and uh, you know, there's no like sweeping vistas. This isn't like Westworld or anything, but like they're shooting suburban America and rural America, and it makes it look really good. Yeah, uh, I I want to know what you thought of the end. If if you are all out of stuff to talk about, uh, like what do you mean? Like the the ending where okay. you know she sleeps with Paul and they're kind of walking down the street hand in hand. I will let Sean lead the way. Okay. Uh, here's my interpretation of the ending. As Jay and Paul are walking down the sidewalk, there's a cut from them walking toward the camera, then it cuts to an angle behind them and then back again to the original shot from in front of them and we see someone out of focus slowly walking towards them. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's it. But here's the thing. If you look closely at the person following them at the end that resembles Paul and it's wearing a jacket that looks identical to the one he is wearing, I believe its current form is Paul, and I think it's noteworthy for this reason. Paul's wanted to sleep with Jay for a long time now, before and after she contracted it, and in doing so, he has killed himself. He knows she's cursed, he has seen the results of what it does, and he's willing to be cursed by this thing his entire life to sleep with his childhood crush, thereby killing himself. Or it could hmm. be some random extra, and I'm reading too much into the film. I don't know what it looking like Paul has to do with that, because it looked like Greg when it went to go murder Greg. Mm-hmm. So it looking like Paul, while it's stalking Paul, did not seem like super shocking to me. Yeah, I mean, it can look like anything. Um, 
I'm I'm certain that at times the the theme required it to look like something particular. I didn't pick up on much of that, but I, I do think I, I don't know. I kind of took the end as something a little more upbeat than that. I suppose, mm-hmm. um, like Paul is pining after Jay throughout this entire movie, and I don't like. I I understand that a good chunk of that is probably sexual, right? Mm-hmm. They're teenagers. And, and I don't get a great sense of, like... I, I guess if if I was going to say this movie had one flaw is I don't quite understand Paul and Jay and Paul's lust for Jay or or genuine love for Jay. I don't know what it is exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, when I try to interpret the end of this movie, I assume that Paul has genuine feelings for Jay. And that over the course of this movie, Jay has seen how Paul has moved to protect her mm-hmm. um, and, and help her uh, with this horrible thing that she's been cursed with. Yeah. And that with them walking hand in hand away from this thing at the end is them saying, we're going to deal with this together. I agree. And, and coming to some kind of true, like, actual respectful relationship <laughs> at the end as opposed to Greg who just wants to fuck her. Yeah. Uh, and doesn't believe in any of the cursed stuff. Like, right. I think I think Jay and Paul have a have a more genuine and um what's the term for not parasitic uh codependent just mutually beneficial kind of thing here right yeah. like they they both are happy with the situation they with the bad situation that they've been given here see i feel like it is i don't know because to me paul seems like he is put himself into the friend zone which i find an annoying term because it makes it seem like the person that's in the friend zone, it's like somehow the woman's fault that they got there. When reality, mm-hmm. they put themselves in that situation, they stayed in that situation, and the only one that's tormenting themselves really is themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the only way... Yeah. Uh, so, like, he has, I think, expressed that he's attracted to her a couple of times, and she's rebuffed him, and he says, okay, well, we can still be friends. If he's carrying a torch for her, I think it's pretty clear that she doesn't feel that way towards him, and at the end... I thought it was pretty dark because they both seem like just very traumatized. They look tired. They look Mm -hmm. worn. Yes, they're holding hands, uh, but I don't know how comfortable she is with that. Like, like he's certainly not got the relationship that he wants with this woman. uh, And she is stuck in this situation because, like, I think that's the flaw in Hugh's plan is, like, if you fuck a person and just peace out and never keep, like, you don't know how much slack you've got. You don't know how, right. like, you yeah. know, uh, it seems like the logical thing to do would be to keep tabs on the person you pass it to to try to, to make sure, like, how much layers of armor do you got between you and it. Um, so you think Jay is just using him to get a temporary relief from the curse? Because they... I think, like, yeah, by the time... Sleeping it, with him and walking hand in hand down the street doesn't say that she doesn't want Paul in her life like i mean yeah i'm making a read on like 15 seconds of acting but like i think there's an interesting throughput where jay becomes increasingly jaded because of her experiences like Mm -hmm. she has got this kind of sweet uh you know love affair with hugh that turns terribly wrong and then after a lot of prodding and talking she reluctantly agrees to i guess resume the 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 sex that she had (laughs) with with greg and, huh. But it still felt passionate, and then she just—that—that's I, I, that, the thing that blows my mind about the boat scene. She just, she's just this girl that's half naked. She got a cast in her arm. I'm trying to think of like how that scene went. She just swims out to this aluminum bass boat <laughs> where these probably middle-aged uh-huh. or older men are out there drinking beer with beer guts, and she just like climbs on the boat and's like, "Okay, boys, have at it." Uh-huh. Like, I guess so. who? Who is the person that says, sure, uh-huh. sure, lady, this is a perfectly sane thing to do. They're not wor- – like, I-, I don't know. And then, like, what happens to those guys? Yeah. Like, obviously, they must be killed. Um, but, Maybe. like – Can the monster swim? Uh, yeah, then they're just, they, there's 24-7 boat and lifestyle. Like, yeah. maybe not. It's like, hey, man, this is working out for us. We got this. There you go. Just go fuck Jimmy Buffett. He's on a boat 24-7. <laughs> this monster will never catch him. Yeah, or some dude that's on a worldwide tour. A worldwide tour. <laughs> right. Like, you know, he's going to have sex yeah. with groupies, and groupies going to have sex with, like, yeah, it's like just like. I would say fuck Mick Jagger, but you'll get worse things from him. <laughs> right, right. Um no, so I I don't know. I look at her experiences with sex throughout this movie as being 
the experimentations of a young adult, right? Yeah. And you made some bad decisions, and you slept with some people who you thought really cared about you but didn't. And then at the end, she finds Paul, who has been supportive and does care about her. And maybe there's not, like, this fiery passion, but there's more of, like, a a supporting, understanding thing there. That's how I read it. But. Yeah, but I don't, I mean, that I don't. I mean, maybe that's a form of love, but it's not the form of love that you normally – and I don't think it's what Paul would want. And like I said, I just think back to their sex hmm. scene and how cold it was. Like I think he went sure. to go kiss her and she's like, no. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh-huh. this just – and also I'm also like it come called to mind like what counts as sex? Yes. For like if he just – literally enters her and does one thrust is that sex if she blows him is that sex does he have to does one or both have to have an orgasm like i don't want to sound like bill clinton here but what is the <laughs> definition of sex that this thing uh uh-huh. accepts as like genuine sex yeah um i don't know but yeah, i don't the monster to me i those two people walking down the street are not two people that are living their best lives or the lives well, they're they living imagine. they're living the best lives given the circumstances right i think right i mean that's like say two like 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 let's say they're fleeing a war-torn country mm-hmm. like you know and paul is her only way out of ta- of out of this thing and she's like let's say she's a she's a a a, a, a uh, a female Jew who's fleeing pre-World War Germany and uh, Paul is a German who's helping her out of the country. And they're walking hand in hand across the border. Like, is that a romantic situation or is she just like, you, I mean, like I said, I'm comfortable with her saying that she's using Paul, mm-hmm. but Paul is not unaware of the fact that he's being used and he's not unhappy necessarily with the fact that he's being used. Hmm. Okay. Um, can romance bloom there? Maybe, maybe we'll see that in the sequel. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think they were authentically in love. <laughs> okay, we interpreted it differently. That's well, that's fine. the other thing is like you know when you have these situations where like super extreme, like you know, uh, is that genuine in love? Like, I don't know. Like I was just thinking like because when you first started this talk, I was like, uh. Are, like like teenagers, it's weird because like I remember being a teenager. I remember being in love. As a forty year old man, I look back at that and laugh at like how ridiculous yeah. it all was. But it absolutely felt real. And I had also like mm-hmm. I would even bristle if I'd like if I would go, like forty one year old me would come tutting through my memories like, well, that wasn't real love. That wasn't real love. You idiot. You didn't know any better. Like right. It might have been puppy love, but it was still it did it did still feel real and you know what the fuck is love except for the thing you feel in your chest so uh yeah i don't know it's interesting it's interesting i'm but i actually yeah i mean i'm kind of i'm surprised by your reaction but what the hell that's acting that's direction i had a question about like what happened with the the her fucking boaters there's also a scene where the pool that she swam in, in the beginning is caved in and i wondered mm, what yeah. the, that was supposed to because i don't remember the thing attacking the pool uh and I wonder if, like, maybe the scene, like, was that cut? Like, was that there's a scene cut where the thing <laughs> rampaged through the pool to get at her or something? I don't know. Um, yeah, no. Uh, I did think, like, because when we're talking about avoidance, if you're playing, like, because I, I do, if the thing is smart, and that's what Hugh says, I doubt that you could just commute back and forth across town <laughs> and live a normal life, and that would be enough. Like, to me... I was thinking how hard it would be to live a normal life with this curse because sure, yeah. even if you, you know, we talked about it, even if you uh, inflict it on someone and then peace out, like you can't ever be sure. And like, do you if you, if you want to like take lavish trips to like Indonesia, like that costs a lot of money and you can't really hold down a job. And I, it, it, it just seemed like the way they depicted Hugh is almost living like a homeless person is accurate. How miserable that life would be. Mm hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually kind of shocked that there hasn't been sequels made like, cause it does seem like you could have Jay trying to figure out where this curse chain goes. You could have, uh, you know, like I'm thinking of all the things they did with resident evil from that concept. Uh-huh. Like you also, like I could get down for like a year in the life of Jay. Like how is she living now with this curse and uh, evading the monster like, maybe it could be a trilogy. Like, this is the beginning. Second one is the year in the life and just, like, the practical effects of avoiding. And three is where they get scientific and ghost bust its ass. <laughs> um, but I'm kind of shocked. Is like, I know the movie didn't make tons of bank. 
Um, it made a you know it like made like what forty some million dollars off a two million dollar budget. So yeah, that's pretty good. But like with the horror market seeming to have a resurgence in the last five years, I'm really shocked that they haven't like pumped this out for sequels. Could you capture it? Could you put? Could you? Could you confine it? Yeah, yeah. you lure it into fuck the steel. Right. Bo- you lure it into the steel box. Yeah, lure it in the steel box, and then take the steel box and like drop it in a volcano or something. And then it becomes like, a, then it becomes an SCP entry, you know, <laughs> or bury it. D- yeah, like, drop it into a massive hole and just cover it with. Yeah, with and then, then back up, uh, you pour a couple dozen yards of concrete over it, and now uh-huh. what are you going to do? You fuck. Yeah, just cover. Drop. <laughs> dump it, a whole truck of concrete on it. Drop it in one of the, the oceanic trenches or. Uh huh. Uh huh. I think you could do it. Yeah, there are ways around this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And again, I don't know what kind of locomotion this thing can do. Although, if anything, it's a faster swimmer than it is a walker. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm like, what if you just put an ocean between you? Uh huh. Like, would it just walk in the water and just never get out? Or I don't know. Yeah, I, that's the thing that's fun about this movie. It, it's a really well made movie, but it's also fun to kind of think about and like, you know, what would you do, mm-hmm. and you know, <laughs> kind of like your the, test your own morals and stuff. What would you? Yeah. Do you think you try? Like, yeah, apparently you just fuck a dog. Yeah, uh, I fuck a dog. I fuck you, a wild find dog. A dog. You'd yeah. hold your nose. You'd do like the yep. the pig fucking in season one, episode one of Black, Black Mirror, Mirror and yep. just like that's it. That's it. Yeah, and I'd be free forever. <laughs> uh, how no, would you? I, keep... I, I think legitimately, I could not. I absolutely could not pass it on to someone. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things like, would you, even, what, would you, how, what would you do on D-Day kind of scenarios? Like, you, you, it's easy to talk to big talk until the fucking scary monsters running after you, drooling and pissing. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I, I mean, the I, calculus I the same there. What, your your calculation there is like, I'm going to give it to this person, and then okay, so you give it to them, you tell them, and you show them like he did, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Hugh does in this movie. Which, by the way, any step in that, if he gets caught, like he's in prison, and then the things is going to get him. Absolutely, Like if he's yeah. detained by the cops, you're fucked. Because yeah. Was, yeah. But but the, the problem here, and and the, the main, like, the reason that this would not be a solution to the problem, it just fucking somebody else, is because it comes back to you eventually. Right. So, like, e- to, even to me, you 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 are a master of you your are, own destiny if yes. you've got this curse. And the only thing you're doing by giving it to someone else is inflicting that upon them. You're not buying yourself anything. Yeah. Because you can never sleep easy. What if it kills them you and, and comes back they, after here's, you? Here's it's, the problem: you can't. There ever, is no relief. You give up your sex life. You do, yeah. Uh, which is pretty Except brutal. Except with dogs. Except. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, I guess if you like, this is kind of a, uh, you know, people with even fatal sexually transact uh um potentially fatal at this point sexually trans uh, transmitted diseases get into long-term relationships with people that don't have them and they weigh the risks and balances and like i guess could you have a normal enough life that you can engage in that kind of emotional relationship to get to the point where you say hey uh I mean, how do you break that? Like, I've, yeah. I've got you, you. You can't see it. I know I act nervous and weird, and I have to sit to see the <laughs> view all exits. And here's why: because all this has happened. Like, uh, I, I, I don't know. Maybe there's an ethical way to do the Hugh thing where you just tell them. And I, I suppose I don't know. so. Yeah. But um, yeah, because I, I feel like the, you're right. Like, if you pass it on, you no longer, you no longer have the control. Also, you're just being a dick. Like you're just, you're be- just being because a you're dick. still in danger. You're still in danger, and you're an un- you're even worse. You're an uncertain danger. So yeah. you could actually relax yeah. and let your guard down. Whereas if you know the thing is stalking you, then it keeps you sharp. I agree. Yeah. Great, great movie suggestion, Sean. Uh, if you want to hear Cecily and I's thoughts, I will link the uh, cinematic spectacular that we recorded last October. If you want a, a, a female perspective on it, uh, we talk about a lot of other cool, scary movies too. Uh, that'll be in the show notes. Uh, but thanks again, Sean, for commissioning this podcast. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to talk about. Hope mm-hmm. you guys enjoyed it. Uh, if you'd like to commission your podcast, uh, your very own podcast, you are currently out of luck <laughs> because we are still catching up on our queue, uh, plugging away, trying to get stuff done. Uh, we will have announced, we'll probably have some news fairly soon about what we're going to do with the commissions uh, going forward, uh, but we're not ready. We haven't quite finalized our, our plan so you will be the first you will be the first to know if you listen to the commission podcasts when it's reopened or if it if it's reopened and if it's reopened what kind of flaming hoops have been installed to dissuade you from filling our queue full of 35 films that we're 
<laughs> a year and a half behind on. Uh, but yeah, uh, check that out at uh, just just keep on just you know just keep watching the social media and keep listening to the commission podcast. It'll it, it'll all be revealed in time. Uh, thanks for listening to this one. I'm Aaron. Yeah, I'm Jim. I'll see you later.